Father, that's why we're here this morning. Otherwise, we're a group of people that gather together who like singing and music, but we are here this morning because we recognize that you are our living hope. And the reason we gather is to celebrate your name, to give you praise and glory, to unpack your word, explore the things that you want to teach us, be able to encourage one another who are going through difficult times in life. And so, Father, we thank you that you are our living hope. And it's not just a gathering of people who sing music, but it's a gathering of your children who love to be in your presence, love to be with each other, and enjoy the celebration of the Matchless King. And so would you speak to us today in a variety of ways through a variety of people and a number of mediums and allow us to be able to hear your voice. I again, lift up everyone down south who just going through such devastation. May you, in the name of Jesus, surround them with people who can encourage them, bless every worker, everyone who's trying to help out. Please keep them safe in the midst of all of the devastation. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Wow. Oh, there you are. It's like magic. Morning. Good to have you here this morning. Obviously, uh, I won't go into a lot of details, but you sometimes know that things don't always work out as planned. And so we were intending to celebrate my 65th uh, birthday, which I know it's just shocking that I would be that old to you at all, in Nags Head, North Carolina. There, there you go. It, things didn't go as planned. I got sick over the weekend. Our special needs grandchild spent a night in the hospital, and the next day we had to evacuate. And yesterday, my wife's back went out. So it's been an interesting week, uh, to say the least. There are a number of things, so I hope you, as uh, Pastor Joe said a moment ago, read your bulletin very, very careful. But if you've got a student in high school ministries, make sure you read this one very carefully. I believe, I've been part of the CNMA all my ministry life. So I, I, I am CMA, Christian Missionary Alliance, to the core. But one of the absolute greatest things and events that Christian Missionary Alliance does is the life conferences that they've been doing since the late 70s. And I've been a part of 13 of them now. Next year, going to be a part of the 14th one. I couldn't go out on number 13, so I've got to finish with 14. But it is the absolute greatest event that the CNMA holds. And if you've got a high school student, you're going to want to make sure you read that very carefully and uh, encourage them to go help pay. We'll help raise money for them, whatever's necessary. But it's that one event they really do not want to miss out on in their high school career. Last two weeks ago, I said to you, we were making a statement that we only make a couple of times a year, and that is that we're finishing a series. Today, we're making another statement that we only say a few times a year. We're starting a new one. It's in the book of Philippians, one of my favorite books. Now, some of you all would say that's probably one of your favorite books. It is definitely one of mine. What I'd love for you to do, along with me, is do more than just go through a book, which in and of itself is awesome, but I would love for you to say, God, what is it as we study this book that you want to say to me? Now, obviously, we want to say, God, what do you want to say to us as a family of God? Because he's writing to a church. But even in the context of that, God, what do you want to say to me? We're going to spend all of fall in the book of Philippians, powerful book with some incredible truth. God, what do you want to say to me through it? A lot of people read Scripture to say they've read the Bible. I've read the Bible through three times, or I've read the Bible through a half a dozen times, or I've read most of the Bible. I got lost somewhere in Leviticus, but I picked it back up in the book of Psalms. Whatever you may have said along that line, which, again, in and of itself is a great thing. 
But if all we do is read the Bible to read the Bible or say we've read the Bible and you miss what God has to say to you in it, you've missed the most important part. If you don't see what God wants to say to you, not only to us and to the world, but to you personally, you've missed one of the greatest aspects of it. I am convinced that God has some incredible things to say to me and to all of us through our study in this particular book. Philippians has verses in it that every one of us at some point in our lives have memorized or should memorize. None of us are too old to memorize. Every one of us can get a verse or learn a verse or understand a verse that I want to say, that's really one that I want to make sure I tuck away somewhere. Now, I know you can all carry your phones with you and your iPads with you, and everybody has you version in there and all those kind of things. But things that ought to quickly come to your mind are some of the verses out of Philippians. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Out of Philippians chapter 2, and, and how we look at others more important than ourselves. The guy spoke on that whole series this summer, and out of that book has some unbelievable lessons to teach us. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, I think that verse can sometimes be misapplied, and so I want us to look at it very carefully so we understand what God wants to say to us and to us personally through that. Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Paul would agree with John. Man, I love this life. I want to be here. I love what God provides in this context of this life. But man, I got heaven to look forward to. For me to live is Christ. I enjoy that. To die is gain. I mean, there is something on the other side. Uh, I love Kane Brown's song, Heaven. I don't know if you've ever, do any of you listen to country music? There's only two kinds of music, Christian music and country music. <laughs> right? Y'all knew that, right? There's only two kinds of music. You only need two stations on your radio. Family Life Network and Y108, then you're good. You don't have to worry about anything else. But he talks about this song, Heaven, like everybody talks like everybody's been there. And he said, I'm telling you, it can't be any better than being with you. And I want to call him up and say, oh, yes, it can. Oh, yes, it can. It's incredible. And Paul would agree with John. Man, for me to live is Christ. I love living with Jesus. I love being with y'all. I love being here on this earth. But man, for me to die, that's gain. I'm not holding on to the end saying, I just want to hold on to life with all I can. I don't want to go. I don't want to leave this world. When I know what's on the other side, man, that's all gain. Philippians 4.19, and my God will supply all your wants, everything you've ever wanted. Right? He'll supply all your what? All your needs. According to your ability to pull it off. Right? Now, what does it say? You haven't memorized that one yet, I take it, right? According to his glorious riches. Now, there's incredible value in that because it's his glorious riches, which means what? They're unending. There's an unending supply of those in Christ Jesus. Philippi was an incredible city with a rich heritage and an unbelievable culture, most likely fashioned after Rome. Paul got there as a result of a vision. He was out trying to discern where God wanted him to go, and all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, he saw this vision of a man from Macedonia saying, would you come over and minister to us? So Paul, believing that was God, God directing him, went. Wasn't long after being there, he meets some very influential people, has some incredible ministry, and ends up in jail with Silas. So I got to believe there are times in his life where he said, was that the right guy out there in that vision calling me? Because now I'm in jail. 
I really believe that this is where God wanted me to go, but, but now I'm in jail. And what's fascinating about Paul is that if you know anything about Acts chapter 16, which is where that story comes from, he ends up singing with Silas in jail. Who sings in jail? Unless you sing Jailhouse Rock. I know Elvis does. I know, all right. Okay, so Elvis sang in jail. Half the audience is going, who's Elvis? He sings in jail. God shows up in miraculous ways right in the middle of worship, which is a great way for God to show up. The gates of the prison open up. The jailer assumes they're going to get out. Who wouldn't? Gates open up. I'm leaving town. And all of a sudden, he realizes they're still there. And the jailer comes to him and says, I, I'm just going to die because if, if you escape, I'm dead. So I might as well kill myself now. And Paul leads this guy and his whole family to Jesus. Who thinks about that in the middle of jail? There's some lessons that I think this guy has to teach us. He's asked to leave, and he does. He ends up later in prison and writes back to this church and has some unbelievable things to say to them. Now, as we go through this book, you need to understand that it's a prison letter. All right? It basically says that. It's right for me to feel this way about you. Since I've got you in my heart for whether I'm in chains, defending, or confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace. As a result of what? Sharing the gospel, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chain for Christ. So he's in jail, and he's writing from jail to this church that he deeply loves. Not the kind of jail that we're probably familiar to or with. He's most likely chained to a guard, a Roman guard most likely, and he has the opportunity to write. The other thing you need to know about this letter, it's not only a prison letter, it's a love letter. Now, John would be the one who just loves to communicate love through his writings. And Paul would come across a little bit harsh or hard. But in this context here, he absolutely loved this church. And it exudes out of the whole book. And he starts that way, as you'll see in a second. He, he goes to the Galatians and says, what on earth happened? You were so on fire, so on fire for Jesus, so on fire in your relationship with God. Who got to you? You're, you're going backwards in your spiritual life. But he comes to the Philippians and said, look, every single time I think of you, I smile. Every single time I think of you, I get delighted. Philippian church appears to be one of Paul's favorite churches. Every pastor most likely has his favorite church. When I'm done in ministry, I'll tell you which one was mine. No, I'm, ki I'm kidding. There are a number of reasons for that. A lot of it, I believe, has to do with their support of his ministry. The Philippians were really supportive of Paul's missionary endeavor. Now, this is well before the Christian Missionary Alliance was established, but Paul was one of the first missionaries. So he'd go from place to place, like so many of our CNMA missionaries do, all over the globe, taking the gospel of Christ to the end of the earth. Now, the end of the earth to them was pretty limited, all right? Obviously, to us, we've got the whole globe. And so Paul was asking churches to support him in doing that, like our missionaries in the Christian Missionary Alliance. When you give your offering envelope, it said great commissions or missions. You're supporting ministries around the globe. P 
people that you'll never see, missionaries you may never meet, but you're supporting what they're doing to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to the end of the earth. And not every church does that, unfortunately. There are 30, 40% of the CMA churches who may not do that. But this church really has been influential in helping Paul continue his ministry journey. One of the reasons that the Christian missionary love CAC, Community Alliance Church, is you do a phenomenal job in supporting what God's doing around the globe. 18 to 19%, somebody's going to correct me on it, I may be a little off. 18 to 19% of all the money that comes into CAC goes out to what God is doing around the globe. But missionaries love what God's doing through CAC. Paul loves what he's doing here. They were also a sense of encouragement because he's also dealing with some really tough churches. And they became that oasis in the middle of having to deal with some really, really tough stuff. And every so often you have those people in your life when somebody else is draining your tank, you want to be around them. When you go to work or you have relationships or wherever it may be and you've got those people in your life who take energy out of you and drain you and drain the energy from your being, you, you want to find some people in your life who fill your tank. And he does that. CNMA is divided up into districts. And western Pennsylvania, take PA, you know that it's a rectangle, and you divide it in half, and western PA is this half. I've been asked two or three times to be the district superintendent in my ministry life. And I said to everybody who's asked, I, I, I really enjoy working with one board and one church. Why would I want to do this with 140 of them? Knowing that 110 of them may drain the daylights out of me. Fortunately, I'll have these other ones that fill me up. Paul's like that. He's got all these churches that are draining him, and he's trying to encourage, trying to get them going. And then he comes into this Philippian church and says, man, I, every time I'm here, you lift me up. You bless me. Isn't that a great thing to be identified as a church? Isn't it? Bob, you've been a pastor all your ministry life. Bob and I went to college together, believe it or not, and I at college back in the 70s. And I know for most of you are going, whoa, when was that again? It was the 70s. And, uh, you know, you have those churches that just lift your sails and lift you up. And they're supporting what Paul's doing as he goes through a difficult time. They give generously, not because they're a rich church or filled with rich people. They just understand that God has given them, so they want to give. I got, I got to believe you know that wealth and generosity don't always go together, right? Wealth and generosity don't always go together. And what Paul loves about this church and what I love about them being an example, because he uses them as an example to a ton of other churches in the area. Look, these people are not giving out of great resources. They're giving out of poverty. So it's not about money or how much I have. It's what I do with what I've been given. And Paul said, man, every time I think of you guys, it just blows me away. Because even out of your poverty, you give to support what God's doing around the world. Third thing you need to know about this book, it's a call to excellence. It's a call to go deeper, call to go further in your relationship with God. It's not legalistic Christianity, self-righteousness. It's a call to really give myself fully and wholeheartedly to Jesus, holding nothing Let's read the first eight verses. Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ. Paul is most likely dictating to Timothy who's transcribing it, which is why both of them are identified. 
If you know anything about Paul or anything about his letters, every once in a while he'll say, see, I wrote this with my own hand. A lot of people believe that he had a problem with his vision. And so he always had somebody with him. Number one, he always traveled with somebody else. And secondly, he needed somebody to kind of transcribe what he's uh, saying and what God is saying to him. So he does. Timothy most likely does that. To all the saints in Christ Jesus in Philippi, together with overseers and deacons, the leadership of that church, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all of my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. It's right for me to feel this way about you since I have you in my heart. Not knowing that it was just a church that I went to someday or a church that I was a part of. I, literally, I've got you in my heart. It'll never leave me. For whether I'm in chains, defending or confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Jesus Christ. Now, Philippians is important to me for a lot of reasons. That verse, only God knows how deep my love and longing for you is, is written on the inside of my wedding ring. Now, my wife's brilliant. She wrote our wedding date in there so I wouldn't forget. The problem now, because my eyes say it's so bad, I have no idea what it says in there. And it says Philippians 1.8 in the Living Bible, which is basically that phrase. Only God knows how deep my love is for you. I mean, what a way to start a letter. Every time I think of you, I feel grateful. Now, that's a way to start a conversation with someone. Every time I think of you, I get delighted. Every time I think of you, I thank God for you. I love that phrase. Answer the question that Bob asked you yesterday to think about on Phone Tree. What are some of the first things or first people that come to your mind when I say that phrase? Every time I think of you, I... Do you have people that come to your mind? Every time I think of you, I smile. Every time I get an email from you, I get sick. <laughs> Every time I get a text from you, I go, oh, do I want to read it? Or every time I get a text from you, I can't wait to read this because I'm going to laugh. I mean, y'all have people in your life. I mean, every single one of you have people in your life that the moment I say that phrase, every time I think of who that may be, something came to your mind, right? And in many cases, hopefully, it was every time I think of them, man, I smile. I got guys in my life, every time I get a text from some of them in my life, I smile. I just know I'm going to laugh. I know it's going to be an encouragement. I've had guys in my life or people in my life will send me a note every once in a while or an email every once in a while, and I never have to look at that email saying, oh, Lord, do I want to read this? Let me have my devotions first, and then I'll go read this email because it's not going to go well. I mean, that's a way to start a note. Now, put yourself in everybody else's shoes for a moment. When people think first about you, every time I think of him, what do they say about you? Every time I see him, what do you think they think? I mean, you go to Giant Eagle and all of a sudden you see him coming, do you run to the other aisle? <laughs> run to checkout. 
Well, I only got milk. Doesn't matter. I'm out of here. Every time I think of you, I what? What do they say about you and I? When you get an email from me, when you get a text from me, what do you think of? What do you think people think about you? Man, every time Kev, every time John, every time Harry, every time Mary, every time Joe. What do they think about you? Every time I think of you, I get nervous. <laughs> Every time I think of you, I, I hurt. Every time I think of you, I smile. Every time I think of you, I get a pit in my stomach. I mean, what do they say? What you need to know is this church is not perfect. And that's what I love about the context of how he starts. They're special, I pointed that out. But like every church, they have their problems. They're going to face danger. It's been granted to me in Philippians 1.29 to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but you also need to know you're going to suffer for him. They're going to be persecuted by Rome. Paul also warned about hypocrites and false believers in the church. There was a spirit of strife and disunity within the church, which, to be honest with you, sometimes is the most dangerous enemy a church can have. Gives a hint of that in Philippians 2 when he pleads with two people to go together because division in a church can be spiritual suicide. It destroys the body and even worse makes us ineffective and incredibly easy prey for the enemy. When division happens within a church, Satan does no longer have to be subtle. He can deal with the obvious because nobody's getting along. Nobody's connecting with one another. Unity in the body is one of the greatest weapons against the enemy, which is why of all the things that Jesus could pray for right before he gets uh, rested and heads to the cross and all that, he said, I pray, God, that they make it and stay together. I, I just pray for unity among the body of Christ. And not only these guys here, Jesus, is saying to his father, uh, those who believe in me because of them, which now attributes down 2,000 years and says to CAC, boy, Lord, I pray that they, they stay together. Because it's an incredibly powerful tool. And when there's disunity, it, it makes us ineffective and it makes us an attack of the enemy. Now, the reason I say all that is how he starts. In light of all that background, you've got to remember he's going to talk about danger and division. He's going to talk about the really tough stuff. He never ignores the tough issues. What I love about this phrase and what I love about how he starts is how he deals with all of those tough issues with a heart of love and tenderness. Some think the only way they're going to deal with tough issues is intimidation and intensity. Y'all, any of you played sports, you grew up, I'm sure, at some point with a coach who really believed the only way to motivate you was to humiliate you. Right? You see it all the time on TV. Uh, uh, coach Eric's not here, I don't think, in this service, probably in the second service. One of the reasons that those kids love Eric is because he loves them. Not because they're winning all the games. You can use it with your kids, people in your life, where you work. If you're the boss, intimidation, intensity, humiliation, not going to work. Encouragement, motivation, relationships, and trust. 
Paul knows the best way to deal with the tough stuff is the heart of love. Every time I think of you, I feel good. If you've ever gotten correction from somebody you know loves you deeply, it's so much easier to receive than out of the heart of intensity or motivation or uh, humiliation. Paul said, Philippi, I got some really hard things to say to you. But the first thing I want you to know is how much I love you. The first thing I think of is not what's wrong with you. The first thing I think of is what's right with you. Community Alliance Church, the first thing I think of is not what's wrong with us. The first thing I think of is what's right with us. Now, I've been blessed. I don't know if you have. By, I've been blessed by four great churches. And I blessed, I've been blessed to be a pastor in four incredible churches. As a parent, when you first think of your kids, what are the first things that come to your mind? How grateful you are for them or what's wrong with them? You already know what's wrong with them. You already know they're not perfect. So that's the obvious. But sometimes if we're not careful, that's what we see first. I would have loved, I was watching the connect card up there this morning. I would have loved for us to have misspelled three words on that correct card. Connect card. And see how many people noticed the misspellings and not everything else that was right. Now, it's not a half glass, half full, glass, half empty kind of thing, although it's certainly similarities to that. But I find that many people in life first notice what's wrong and not always notice what's right. What about it when you think of your mate? What's the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of your mate? How grateful you are or what's wrong with them? What do you think the first thing people think of when they think of you? We've got to let that sink in. I mean, that's just the first eight verses in this incredible book, but I'm telling you, it's one of the most powerful concepts that you can ever embrace. What do people normally think of when they think of you? What is the first thing you do in your connection or relationship with people? Point out what they haven't done what they need to do, what they should do, what they did wrong, or what they do right. It's very difficult to feel encouraged when all people notice is what's wrong instead of seeing what's also right. It's hard for your kids to feel encouraged when all you notice is what's wrong with them without first noticing what's right. Well, I want to prepare them for the real world. Nobody encouraged me. There's a biblical word for that in Greek as in English, and it's baloney. Or as Colonel Potter says in MASH, horse hockey. Whatever you want to call it. Even if you point out the good things, but only after pointing out all the bad things first, they miss the good things often. Ephesians 4.15 says, speak the truth in love. Now some people will say, well, I tell it like it is. You know what? Without love, I'd rather you keep it. I'd rather you just keep it to yourself. I'm not saying you ignore the bad things at all. I'm just saying when things need to be corrected, try to see what's good first. How you address the issue is critical. It has a lot to do with how you look at life. Some people think it's their spiritual gift to find everyone's faults. <laughs> Interesting phrase. I wish I knew where it came from. Some see the meadow, some see manure. Not sure where it came from. But sometimes you miss those nuggets of gold if all you see is the dirt. 
Instead of sifting through and finding out what's really valuable and precious. One of the reasons when we pointed it out in Revelation 2 and 3, when, Paul, when Jesus was addressing the churches, every single one of them, but two, had some pretty major issues that he was going to point out. But almost in every single occasion, I think all of them, he said, I just need you to know what I see you're doing well. And I love that, the way he does it. I'm not sure how you do evaluations or how you evaluate people, but man, that is a perfect way to do evaluations. I just want you to know these are some great things. Now, there are some things we need to deal with, but I just want you to know these are some incredible things that I see in you. They obviously believed in Paul's vision and his ministry, and they were willing to support it. If someone knows they're loved, they'll follow you. Even if you've got to deal with some tough issues, which is an incredibly powerful concept, people follow vision of those they trust, absolutely. But they will follow relationships even more. If they know their love, they will follow and support. People follow vision. Money follows vision. You hear that in every leadership training you'll ever get. But I'm telling you, more than vision, they will support and follow people they respect and love and people they know respect and love them. And then you cast that vision, whatever that may be, and I'm telling you, people will follow. There are hundreds of people at Community Alliance Church who partner every single week in dozens and dozens of ways. A lot of it may be people that you see on a stage or see leading a class, but I'm telling you, there are a lot of people at Community Alliance Church that you never see. People who set up chairs all over this campus. People who stuff bulletins every single Friday. These things don't just magically appear out of a copy machine. All of them are taken care of by people. People who work in a nursery so that if you have children, you can be in here enjoying the service. And you're not being distracted by that little one who's pulling at you always from Sunday. But you can be here and enjoy the experience and enjoy being with God's people. And maybe an hour of quiet and an hour of silence without somebody taking you and pulling you every which way but loose. And they're in there, they're loving on your baby, they're loving on your little one because they love what they're doing and you may never see them. I don't even know if you thank them. But man, they, they're there. Elders and deacons who meet every month for two or three hours to deal with some tough issues. Men and women who visit the sick, who serve and support Community Alliance Church, support missionaries around the globe. You're in partnership with what God is doing. We need to understand how important that partnership is. Not just with the people you see on the stage or people you visually see, but people that do all kinds of behind-the-scene ministries that you never see who are partnering with us to do what God is doing at Community Alliance Church and around the globe. Paul's not only grateful for their partnership, he is confident that they have so much unbelievable potential to do even more. And he's going to encourage it. Look at verse 6. He, Jesus, who began a good work in you, going to carry it out to completion. Not just enough to step across the line into salvation. He's got so much more for you in that relationship with himself. And he's going to continue working on you and you're going to work with him. And you're going to go deeper and deeper in love with God and deeper in your walk with God and more confident of your faith in God. I'm confident. I'm absolutely confident. Even though I'm in jail, I am confident that what God started in you is going to be amazing. Don't give up. I hope you've got people in your life who see your potential and develop it, who are the greatest cheerleaders in your life. I really hope you have. 
And I also have, hope you have people in your life that you're encouraging. Man, I, I see so much in you. And I can't wait to see what God's going to do in your life. I see so much potential in you, and I can't wait to see what God's going to do with that as to how you grow in your journey with him. Paul also points to the power of God. He says, I need you to know, no matter what you're going through, what you're dealing with, I am confident that who began that work in you, which is derivative of the same word used in the creation of the world, he who began that work has the power to keep you, the power to sustain you, the power to bring you to that final day, the power to complete you, to see you through the whole process of maturity. You may feel at times like giving up on God, but I am absolutely convinced of this. He will never, ever, ever give up on you. And every time you feel alone and discouraged and cannot figure out why, God, did that happen, every time you need to understand he will not ever let you go. When you see people in your family this morning, when you see people leave church, when you're walking through the lobby, when you go get a cup of coffee, when you're walking home or driving home, <laughs> who walks home? When you're driving home this morning, you're sitting around the, the dinner table, um, and I hope you do. I, we're still that family tradition, even though it's just now Con and I, we have Sunday dinner and we talk about the day and all of those kind of things. I hope when you look around that table, if it's just two of you or 20 of you, you look around and you say, man, every time I think of you, every time I see you, every time we're here, every time we eat, every, I just smile. I'm telling you, <laughs> it is a great way to look at life. We see the flaws, of course. We see the negative issues, certainly they're there. But what do you see first? I'm telling you, it'll change your perspective on life. Well, that's how he starts. Eyes of love, heart of love. And then he says, and let me pray. And then he says and prays one of the most powerful prayers in all of Scripture. I just pray that love may abound more and more. And the depth of it, I pray that you'll be able to discern what's best and pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through faith. I, I pray, I really do, that you see what I just said, and then you live it out. Let me pray for you. Father, every time I think of CAC, I love it. I love being here. I love what we've done. I love the opportunities we have to share together, to sing together, to pray together, to uh, do ministry together for the people that I see all over this campus who serve in so many phenomenal ways. And so I'm incredibly grateful for all of that. We're not perfect, but man, we've got so many wonderful things going on. Help us not to miss that in the midst of all the other. Help us to see people with your eyes, to see with a heart of love, to lead with a heart of love, to teach with a heart of love, to lead our family with a heart of love, to see those around us with a heart of love. Thank you that you see us that way <laughs> and not through all of our flaws and all of our issues. May we have your eyes. Bless us as we go, as we continue to learn from you and grow in you. May you continue to walk with us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I hope you have a really, really, really great day.
If I can pray for you in any way, for any reason, love to do that. God bless you. See you next Sunday.